0: Yeah, hello! Hello!
1: Welcome to SOTA.
0: Also known as State of the Arts.
1: S-O-T-A. Don't you know? I am. SOTA.
0: Oh my goodness. SOTA. Yeah, Minnesota. We are
1: from the North Country, you know? Was that good? Was that bad? Did I offend people with that? uh, no,
0: I don't. I don't think so. I feel like anybody who has a Minnesotan accent tends to embrace it and and hold it as a source of like pride.
1: You want to, so that's fine. You want to know something that I've always known, but I've just never really conceptualized until this moment. What? Neither of us are actual Minnesotans, like born and bred <laughs> <laughs> Minnesotans. <laughs> Whoops. But isn't that just uh, such a Minnesota thing is that we felt so welcomed that we now identify that way?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I've made Minnesota my home for sure.
1: And even though I do not currently reside there, uh, I still tell people that that's where I'm from.
0: Do you really?
1: That's kind of sweet. Oh yeah, 100%. I, you know, it, I will say that it's like... It depends on where I am, what I cite as where I'm from. Like, if I'm in Minnesota and somebody asks me where I'm from, I'm like, yeah, well, I, I grew up in South Dakota, you know, but if I am out here or something, uh, especially, like, to kind of associate myself with, like, an art world city, I, mm-hmm. I say Minneapolis, yeah.
0: Yeah, oh, that, make, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to the point where I tell people I'm from Minnesota, but I suppose since I'm originally from New York, it's like too it's too far. It's too much of a jump.
1: It it also has like an well, extra impressed level of like being out in the desert when you tell people you're from Minnesota, all of a sudden they think you're either crazy or really tough or something.
0: Ooh. Yeah. That's true. Yeah,
1: you're not just well, saying. Well, you oh, yeah, you I are know.
0: really tough.
1: Oh, thank you. Aww. Minnesota made me that yeah. way because negative forty five degrees am I right
0: <sighs> <Okay. laughs> you um you guys have that out in South Dakota, though, don't you?
1: You know it never got quite that cold, like it's pretty similar weather, but I will say that I was surprised when I moved to Minnesota that it actually was perceptibly a bit colder, oh damn yeah i'm like so hmm. I, I listen to the current when i get ready in the morning every day so oh I stay. do you really i do because it just has the best music i mean just for that reason alone it's totally worth listening to even mm. if you're not there but so so i hear a lot of minnesota events that are going on and i hear your weather every day and i like i'm a little nostalgic for fall like you know i I see the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks and I went to Trader Joe's day and it has all the pumpkin flavored everything,
0: um, <laughs> and fall colored
1: everything. And I'm just like, I don't know. I still feel like drinking a mango smoothie and having a margarita cause it's 98 degrees outside. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> oh I'm not, I'm not into this right now. Yeah.
0: I guess I'd never really considered the fact that you won't be experiencing fall this year
1: no but you know I'm only out here for a year so it's it's just kind of a novelty just just trying it out oh sure yeah Mm -hmm. so Sarah what do you have for us this week
0: well, Jaysa, uh, this week I interviewed artist Dustin Stoick. Uh Dustin is a video artist that lives in the Twin Cities. His stuff is really, really cool. Um, I thought he was a good follow-up to the Aaron Sandsmark interview because he also uses himself as subject, and so we got into that a little bit. It's going to be a great interview. I hope, you, I hope you guys like it.
1: That's awesome. We haven't um, had anybody who works in time or digital media yet, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Awesome. Well, I'm I mean, to I'm glad to shake it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean Anna Johnson's like a um would probably be the closest that we've come. But yeah, we haven't really had like a video artist on the podcast. So I'm excited.
1: Ooh, amazing. What do you have? I am going to talk about more weird deserty stuff. Um <laughs> it's called
0: <laughs> <laughs> More Weird Deserty stuff. Yeah,
1: this like really, there's just something about being out here that is it is just have that like strange like kind of you know, like movie weird things happen out here kind of a vibe. It's true. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, but I'm gonna be talking about the Noah Purifoy Outdoor Museum. And Noah is an artist who uh dedicated, I think, about the last 15 years to, of his life to creating artworks made from all found materials and placing it in his own outdoor sculpture garden um, near Joshua Tree. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's very, very cool. So I'll talk about that experience a little bit and a little bit on the artist as well. Neat!
0: And then we have some news, yes?
1: Yes, local news.
0: Local to me. Local to you. And Minnesota. Yes, anyway.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the Arab Film Festival just happened in the Twin Cities last weekend. And about five actors and filmmakers were denied entrance. To the U.S. in order to come and be visitors to this film festival.
0: Damn. What uh, what happened? Do you know?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I wanna I wanna do that again because it was four, not five. Okay. The Arab Film Festival just happened this past weekend in the Twin Cities, and four artists and filmmakers were denied access to. Uh, the U.S. in order to attend this film festival.
0: Do you know why they were denied, or what like the what the impetus was for them not being able to come to the film festival?
1: Some of them were from travel ban countries, but some of them were not. So I think it's just general xenophobia.
0: Cool. That's not cool. It's super not cool. I, that was a sarcastic cool. Yeah, very that's not cool. much sarcasm.
1: So we will uh, talk a little bit more about that as well towards the end of the episode.
0: Okay, I think that's going to be a really
1: great discussion. You wanna
0: you wanna hear the interview with Dustin?
1: I really really do.
0: Okay, let's do it. Today, I am here with Dustin Stoik. Dustin is a video installation artist living in the Twin Cities. He graduated with a double Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in sculpture and drawing at the University of Wisconsin-Stout in 2017. He is included in a group show, Ties We Keep, opening at the Regis Center for Art in Minneapolis, which will be on view October 11th through November 10th of 2018. Dustin, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. Okay, so let's start where uh, I normally start with these interviews. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and how did you get Interested in art in the first place.
2: Yeah, so I am originally from Montello, Wisconsin. It's a very small town. I think there's like 1,200 people in there. Yeah, so I I also grew up on um, a family farm. My dad is a farmer. His dad was a farmer. Um, I have a younger brother who uh, really lines up with him well, and I line up more with my mom. So I'm kind of like the weirdo of the family i guess wait
0: this is completely
2: unrelated to art but what kind of farm is it oh it's it's cash crops oh it's uh, cash crops okay yeah. i was like is
0: it a dairy farm
2: no, a dairy farm? no. Okay. no. and then, like uh that's that's a whole different yeah sort of scenario anyway, to be a dairy sorry. kid versus a corn kid i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah so um so i grew up helping a lot on, on the farm so i feel like That's really, um, given me like a a very strong work ethic. So I'm thankful for that part of my, my upbringing. Let's see what else. Oh, where my interest in art originated from. I think I've always wanted to be an artist, like whatever that meant. I think for a while, like in kindergarten, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like president, blah, blah, blah. Sure.
0: Astronaut. Yeah.
2: (laughs) All that stuff. Um, I think my number one was to be an artist, um, and then it followed, you know, with, like, hairdresser, fashion designer, which, like, yes. the fashion world and, like, uh, <laughs> Project Runway, all that, like, um, mm-hmm. th- that that commercial part of, like, our culture, like, still really is influential and uh, has still stuck, like, all the way through. But, yeah, I think I always knew that I wanted to enter some sort of creative field and to be an artist, whatever that meant. And here we are today. I can say that I'm doing it. So. Yeah.
0: It's working. When and how did you decide that you wanted to get your bachelor in arts? Or did, did you start off wanting to do that? Or did you start yeah. something else? Yeah, no, I definitely, I went right
2: in to school. Um, I went to the... University of Wisconsin Stout. It was a really great experience. Yeah, I entered um, the studio program as a drawing concentration. And then um, I think my second year picked up my sculpture concentration, which was totally not what I expected. I was like, okay, what the hell is sculpture? (laughs) Um, Like, I had no introduction to it in high school by any means. Mm -hmm. And, of course, like the town that I grew up in did not have that sort of support system. Um, I think my senior year a lot of funds were cut for the art department and my high school art teacher I was very close with. She left because she was um, not happy with it. And so we had a retired art teacher come back in the system and it's here I am on like total senioritis high I'm like Uh all right bitch this is my room (laughs) (laughs) and so we we like clashed heads a lot so that was really interesting but yeah no I went into school right away as as an art major so that was that was really awesome and my my family has always been really supportive of it and continue to be so I'm really fortunate in in that situation that scenario
0: Yeah. yeah That's lovely and straightforward. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I thank them a lot. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you always work in film?
2: No, I when I first started sculpture, it was very, it was kind of, it was still flat in like what I said, the like kind of painting and sculpture coming together because I -hmm. I entered as a drawing major, so and I I was still kind of thinking with that drawing mindset, which. I think I still do, like, when I approach, like, my, my video work and and such, I mean, and video itself is primarily, or projection is flat, I guess, or film, we experience it on some sort of flat surface, whether mm-hmm. it be a screen, a monitor, or projected into a space, so I think that's what eventually started um, attracting me towards, towards using this medium, and then how I can use these materials I love so much to distort that and really activate a space instead. And and I'm always thinking about that. Like, how can I make this fresh? Because we experience video and monitors and all these devices every day. Um, how, how am I going to make it different? Mm-hmm. How am I, what separates my work from that? And I think I'm uh, that's like always one of the first questions I go into like a new piece with. I'm like, how am I going to keep this fresh? And what, what's, what's going to do it justice? And I think there's just so much noise going on that a lot of my pieces involve more kind of slower things. And, and I feel like I kind of sometimes want to like humanize technology in a way, if that makes sense. I feel like technology is usually separates us and I want to find how it can bring us back together
0: in a way. More on that in just a minute. That's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I just I just called your work film. Oh yeah <laughs> I now I apologize if that was incorrect, but so how would you how would you categorize your work and what is the difference between
2: uh, video art and film? Yeah, definitely. I think it's something that isn't talked about nearly as much. I think film is more traditionally you know has some sort of narrative and characters within it has like a start and a finish there's a okay. the middle and there's like a plot uh-huh. i guess it, it comes down more to like story what's being told and such and video is like something entirely different <laughs> because it's it's not um it, it's exploring what video can be like Period, like you know, kind of how um, exploring like what paint is, like mm-hmm. like just experiencing paint for painting's sake, like impressionism and such. It's like the digital version of that, I yeah. guess. And but I mean, the there are like no boundaries in that field, so that's really mm-hmm. exciting. I guess that's how I would explain it.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. So videos. Video is a category that allows you to stretch the boundaries of that medium. Yeah. And film has very specific limitations yeah. placed yeah, it's, on it. Yeah.
2: It's, it's more, something more concrete. It's like, you know, you know, I, I feel like you kind of know when you're seeing video versus when you're seeing film. Yes. Like, you just know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. So, and not to, like, diss film or anything like that. Um, I think that's fine if, if you want to go down the road. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I just don't do it. But I, I feel like I'm very influenced by it, by film. So, yeah, I watch a lot of films and kind of deconstruct, like, what moments have, did I really feel something, or what did I respond to, and what about that scene or that narrative did I pick up on, and how can I maybe use that in some of my video work? So,
0: yeah. Can you describe your video work to give us some context?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I always use myself as subject, and... I feel like I've done quite a few different ways. I think my most popular piece right now um, or one that's been showing a lot is being. And so in being, it's it's my face. It's very close up and I'm it's horizontal and it's actually in reverse and slow down from the original recording of it or taping of it. There's oil being dripped over my face, but I'm also lying on top of uh, gold Mylar so it's very warm tone and because it's slowed down and there's like goopy stuff like it's it's kind of gross in a way but in like that really like you can't stop looking at it like i love that aspect of that piece and i feel like i'm always looking to that like to create a new piece i'm like what about this is working like and how can i use that still but make it Make it new, make it fresh, because that's definitely what people are responding to that piece specifically. But yeah, so then that's being projected on a wall, and then there is the gold mylar itself that reflects the size of the um, projection. So it's it's kind of like a fold. Um, so it, it's really interesting when you get into a space because then you've got the reflection of the projection and. It's it's really beautiful, and it's talking about, um, I was making commentary on, like, narcissism within social media, and I'm also kind of making, referencing uh, Brancusi and his Sleeping Muse sculpture, mm-hmm. and I've always been interested in that word, muse, and, like, what that means, especially when you think about it in, like, a fashion world context, because every designer kind of has their muse that embodies, like, what, like, their label is, or, like, who what they the kind of woman that they want to dress or not I guess traditionally the kind of woman but sure. like you know so yeah and so I was like well can can the self be muse and um especially thinking about like Instagram and like selfie culture and all that sure. um like that's where my mind out was at at that point and you know we're in like a very fast paced world. The internet moves really fast. So now selfies, selfies are like irrelevant already. I mean, Kim Kardashian already said it. So, and she's like, oh, I mean. and so, so therefore we're done. We're done. Sure. Okay. We're done. That's All it. Right. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, but,
0: but so why oil then?
2: Um, I guess, um, there was this article that I read too about, um, post internet art. Mm-hmm. Um, and, In the article, there was, I can't remember what the term exactly was, but it was like, you know, yeah, this culture of people who are self-anointing themselves as blah, blah, blah. Oh,
0: anointing
2: themselves. Okay. thinking about, you know, like the oil on the forehead and such. Uh, So there was quite a few things being pulled into that piece. So, Uh um Yeah. Do your research kids.
0: (laughs) Dang. So I've, I've seen this piece. I love this piece. I love the fact that you slowed it down because I was thinking as you were talking about it, how focused I was on the fact that some of the oil caught on your eyelashes Mm -hmm. and how I just really honed in on that. And it it is like a little gross because it's oil, but it's so beautiful.
2: Yeah.
0: How long is it, it? Does it loop?
2: Yeah, it's just on a loop. Okay. Um, and I think the ending is actually with my eyes open. Because yes. I started with my eyes open and then the oil comes in, and then it starts getting into my eyes. And that's when I basically like go to sleep uh-huh. or, or some something happens. I go somewhere. But yeah, I think it's like just over 13 minutes long mm-hmm. or so. And I think that's also what's really exciting about video work is that not everyone gets the same experience especially if it's something long format it's something that you kind of have to return to so i I'm, i'm always really excited about that like when I was first going to museums, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I have to sit down and watch a video. <laughs> like, I don't know why that's so hard. No,
0: I get, I get that. I get that.
2: Yeah, but we do that. I, I, we sit on our phones all the time. Yep. We sit yep. and binge Netflix all mm-hmm. the time. But for some reason, going to a an art museum and sitting and watching a 13-minute video is challenging.
0: It's a, it seems like it takes forever.
2: I don't I don't know why it is that way. So but like since I started working in video, I'm just like, all right, where are they? Where can mm-hmm. I go? I love entering that black room and um, like kind of having that private experience. So I guess I'm
0: always kind of thinking about that with my work too. So for the viewers of this particular piece, would you would you give that explanation to them? Do you would you write it out on a didactic <laughs> and 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 tell them that those are the references that you are making, or would you would you not and try and let them come to their own conclusions?
2: I don't think I've ever really been a fan of like the wall didactics. I mean which is interesting because you know I work at it's like a museum, museum. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I mean, I just feel like it is. I feel like it's such a distraction, and like and like now that I've said it, like uh, yeah, I work at Mia and then uh, working Power and Beauty for. Any Minneapolis people who saw that there were no all didactics and yeah. people had a really hard time accepting that. Yeah, and here I am. I'm just like, yay, finally are doing it. Because yeah, I, I I do. I mean, and maybe that's just like part of how I was trained, like in school. I mean, my professor very much like get in there explore what's happening mm-hmm. what are you noticing mm-hmm. what are you thinking about let's talk about it and i i want everyone to approach it that way because it just why why rely on what someone else wants to tell you like go in there and figure it out for yourself like you you have an opinion and you have knowledge like let's explore that so
0: i would offer a dissenting opinion (laughs) since we are going to talk about narcissism at some point do you feel that then since you are or go on this journey with me um (laughs) since you're not giving your viewers like something to look for or um, an outline to apply to this 13 minute video that they might i mean they might see it and like be like oh that's cool and then like walk away right um does that does that say to you that you are perhaps making the video more for yourself more about yourself or are you are you searching for a way to give your viewers a different experience since we are talking about narcissism and yeah. you're using yourself as your own muse and anointing yourself yeah. entirely in oils <laughs> Do you feel like not using didactics or explanations for your work? makes the work more about you Mm,
2: I think so I think it's well in a way it's definitely reflective of who I am I feel like everything comes from like my lived experiences and I think it's something that I am constantly questioning like who is this for so I I I definitely I I want people to get something from it for sure I don't want to like preach it to them I, I I I don't want that to happen so I would love in an ideal world I would be readily on hand to have conversations with people you like just that stand by your work like hello welcome <laughs> yeah 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 welcome to the art fair <laughs> um, <laughs> let me tell you about this piece yeah I think I in a way it is like kind of therapeutic for me I, I guess it goes with how I approach my process of making I definitely uh kind of adhere to Performance art and performance art is all about, you know, time, space, the body, and the relationship between performer and viewer. So I kind of analyzed that guideline that's set up, except I am forming a relationship between me and the camera, and I'm envisioning who is on the other side of that lens, and I'm providing an experience for them while I'm recording whoever they are, and then I take that recording and I manipulate it, whether it be in Premiere with different different breaks in, in things or different elements of light, or if I use physical elements um, like, uh, this, like the reflective films or, or glitter or such. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I definitely am thinking about who is going to be seeing it and what they're going to get out of it. I don't think that there's necessarily an end point for each one, but I I just want them to, I want to be able to give them, I guess a a break. Like like what we talked about earlier, encountering screens all the time and such like that. I want to like kind of slow that down. Mm -hmm. I want want them to be able to like maybe relax, like kick kick their shoes off, um, slow things down and then open Mm -hmm. their minds. Like be aware of where you are and what's going on and, Um, what's happening in front of you, what's happening around you. Like, I feel you walk away, hopefully you walk away from some of this work that I produce with a a fresh perspective, or you go out feeling refreshed, like you can really take things in. Yeah. Anyways, back to using myself as subject. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's always been there. And I think what really prompted it, um, was once I got into some of that, like, Identity work of like myself as a gay man, and where I kind of rank in the tribes that have been that have like come out of like grinder culture and everything, and the certain titles that you wear. Like, I'm kind of coming to the end now because I'm 24, and I think the, the age limit is like 25 at max of what is called a twink. So, please explain. Yes, for so those of us who don't yes. know, so a twink is basically a fairly tall, thin, typically white gay man who's pretty feminine and it's definitely named after Twinkies because you know they're golden on the outside and creamy on the inside okay. yeah it's it's great uh, so that is me I guess um, <laughs> that's what i am been pegged as. so I was doing a lot of work about that and I was like well I I need to use myself as subject because I feel like if I use someone else I'd be I'd be like can I'd be contributing to like this culture of objectifying and I, I can't point fingers at others if I don't point them at myself too so it felt it just felt right and it's something that I needed to do and it's just kind of gone on since then so yeah that's that's where I'm at and it, it definitely is something that is is challenging at times because you're using your body as your medium and you have to take care of that and yourself and how do you keep it? How do you keep it fresh?
0: Do you think that you will continue to use yourself as a subject or will you switch to something else?
2: I, I definitely will continue uh, to use myself. It's just as a subject yeah it's just it's just a matter of keeping it keeping it fresh and challenging it. I don't want to fall into you know um, a rut where it's just like the same stuff is being produced. Um, it, it needs to be like very well thought out. So I think it's gonna come there's gonna be maybe less of it but it's gonna be hopefully very smart, very particular, very mm-hmm. pointed. But I also um, – I do make two-dimensional work as well. It's just not as well-known. It's not what I, like, submit. I was just going to ask <laughs> you
0: if you were going to move away from video, and here you are, you're already making two-dimensional yeah. work on the side.
2: Yeah, I've always made two-dimensional work, and I have it on my website too, but the stuff that I have up there is more, like, um, like more – it's very, like, small-scale. I have, yeah. like, fur on there and stuff. I love fur. And also, like – how the hell does fur like work on two dimension like i don't know it's just like kind of um unconventional so i like that
0: so are there any other ways that your uh queer identity um factors into your creative process
2: it's not everything and i took like a break from it for a while kind of i was making like you know social media reflective work and that's where like my projection work really kind of like started taking off mm-hmm. um, when I started disrupting the film with those physical films and glitter and really thinking about it that way, getting more experimental with it. I, I think it informs my material uh, material choices for sure all the time, um, especially with some of those artists that I really look at. Yeah. Like Jim Hodges, Fields, Taurus, Ronnie Horn was another one. She uses a lot of gold. I, I just think like There's such a rich history in a lot of the materials that I've chosen. And I do, I I love it for its shiny aspect. And I feel like it just embodies everything that I'm talking about. Like specifically when we're talking about like the Mylar, which I use large quantities of because it's reflective and it acts as like a mirror, which goes back to the tale of Narcissus itself. Like it acts as a pool and um, there's a whole bunch of other different meanings that get wrapped up in that yeah just thinking about like club life and everything it's it's just all that wrapped up in there and it makes me happy too that's very (laughs) good who doesn't who doesn't love it
0: and you said earlier that you're so you're no longer going to be a twink after you turn is it 26 yeah I
2: think no I think it's 25 oh like I've done the research (laughs) (laughs) so I don't know where I will technically be categorized after that not that it, like, matters to me.
0: I'm wondering if it's, it's going to affect your work at all. Yeah,
2: it's interesting. And I think that's part of uh, what the question I think we talked about earlier, like, using yourself as subject. Like, mm-hmm. that's something that I think will eventually keep popping back up um, as I get older, like, where I'm classified. and But it also does depend, too, on just how how culture shifts, if that is still relevant in 25 years, how we categorize um, or if we are still going to be categorizing, cause I feel like that is definitely something that is acknowledged and frowned upon, especially within the community now, like because it's happened and, um, we're like, well, this is like really probably not healthy.
0: Probably so, not.
2: <laughs> um, it's definitely being addressed and, um, which is good, definitely good, but there's definitely, there is, there's room to keep working with these things.
0: Do you think you're narcissistic
2: (laughs) i'm an artist i think we have to be (laughs) i completely agree we we don't really have a choice um i mean you're constantly being asked to persuade someone to give you money Mm -hmm. like why why are are you and your is your artwork awesome basically which Mm -hmm. yeah comes back to you so you kind of have to be and even even if you're not you are probably creating some sort of uh, alter ego that's going to take care of that for you. Like, hi, I'm no longer Dustin. I am Zachariah or something. Ooh. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I am. I am. I am representing Dustin. No, mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Have you ever heard that quote from Picasso where he said, "God is an artist. I am God. I am God. I am God." <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about narcissism? Like, there's that. <laughs> there it is. There it is. But also, I was thinking when you were talking about your piece with the gold miler as a reflection, like a pool. I was thinking of Caravaggio's. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a Portrait of Narcissus, where he's yeah. he's staring down into the water. He's yep. almost falling in. Yes, I love that
2: piece. I always like look at that.
0: So, Dustin, if uh, if people wanted to find you online, where would they go?
2: So, yes, I have my own website. It's just dustinstrike.com. Spell that for me? Yeah, oh yeah. Um D-U-S-T-I-N. And then the last name is S-T-E-U-C-K so DustinStoik.com mm-hmm. I also have um, Instagrams you can visit too Yes, Instagrams. there is DustinStoik and there is also StoikDustin so DustinStoik is a little bit more raunchy maybe um, you'll see <laughs> you, you'll see my body and then I have I guess my my more art related one um, which isn't flooded as much but hopefully um, things are kind of picking up here I I will be producing a lot more, posting more about that. Um, So, yeah, you can find me there.
0: Dustin, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much again for
2: allowing me to interview you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I love that this is the thing. It's really great. I love listening to your podcast now.
0: Oh, thank you so much.
1: (laughs) So this week, I'm going to introduce you to the Noah Purifoy Outdoor Museum. And it is named after the artist of the same name, Noah Pierfoy. Uh, he was born in Alabama in 1917. And he, his earliest body of sculpture was constructed out of debris from the 1965 Watts Rebellion. And just in case you don't know, the Watts Rebellion took place in Los Angeles. The neighborhood was named Watts um, in August of 1965. And this was a civil rights era race riot, um, which resulted in 34 deaths and about $40 million in property damage. So that was his first step into this found uh debris style of making making art. Um he is most known for his outdoor sculptures um or at least to this to this day it's kind of his legacy. Um, he started in the late 1980s um and he used to work for the California Arts Council. And he initiated a program called Arts and Social Institutions which uh, brought art into the state prison system. So he was based in Los Angeles and then he moved his practice out to the desert. So Joshua Tree is about two hours just pretty much straight east from Los Angeles. And he lived there for 15 years and he made this sculpture museum that sits on about 10 acres. And you can go and visit this today. It's made out of all found materials. Um, I think it's this kind of style. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's really called
0: junk junk data. That is awesome.
1: So these sculptures... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so these sculptures are usually quite large. Um, a lot of the materials are... Wood, metal, um, it's a lot of found objects. so he works with a lot of things that are already in some kind of shape, like chairs or a cart or pipes, fences, wheels, things like that. And they're they're you're able to approach them and walk around and they're just sitting outside um, for you to be able to, Come and approach and wander around. Mm-hmm. And the the Noah Purifoy Outdoor Art Museum is supported by the Noah Purifoy Foundation. Um, it was it's a five hundred one c three that ha- was established to preserve and maintain uh, the works of art as well as the ten acre outdoor gallery that it sits on. Um, also providing information on this area for visitors and scholars, and also to develop research opportunities for nationals and international uh, scholars to research on NOAA Purifoy. And NOAA is actually very highly collected by some key institutions such as he is a part of the National Gallery of Art, the Whitney Museum, the Smithsonian Archives of American Art. um, Also, the fun fact, the University of Wisconsin in Oshkosh has collected his work as well. Ah, neat. And that is not a full list. If you want to know more about the span of his career, uh, you can go to noahpurifoy.com and learn about him, the foundation, And the Outdoor Museum. And if you're spending time out in California, uh, it's definitely worth a trip. It's about an hour drive uh, from Palm Springs, and it's near Joshua Tree. It's an interesting experience because you drive into the desert, and it's really not near anything else, so it's a cool surprise outside of this small desert community, And Mm -hmm. you can just show up and walk around. And I'm pretty sure it's open just as long as it's light outside.
0: So how did you hear about this place?
1: Legend. Really? Local local legend. No. Yeah. I I just heard about it because it's just one of those things that apparently people around here just know about. I mean, they, obviously they, you know, they have tours, they have a very nice website. This is a very established place, but I just, I heard about it from word of mouth.
0: So what was your experience like when you went out there? Like what time of day was it? And can you see all the sculptures when you arrive? Or do you actually have to walk around quite a bit to see everything?
1: Well, of course, it was really hot. I would not recommend going in August. Um, <laughs> you know, aim <laughs> aim all. for for yeah, like December, January, February. Uh-huh. Um, like I said, I was kind of in disbelief as I was driving because there was just kind of nothing around. It was just kind of this small, scattered community, uh, and it's just off this kind of dirt road. And you can see it clearly. Like, the land is very flat when you pull up. Uh, you're able to get a scope of the land that has the sculptures on it. But they're, you know, you, you need to walk a few feet in between them. They all kind of take up their own amount of space and have a good, you know, circle around them. They're, they're not just piece you know, all touching or very close together. Uh Um, So you're, you're able to walk from one to another and approach them and wander about um, as you, as you please between them.
0: What kind of approach did they take with information about the pieces? Were there didactics? Was there like a printed guide for you or did you just go out into the untamed desert wilderness where there happened to be sculptures plopped down in, in kind of a regular fashion and, and, like, create your own experience with no guidance whatsoever?
1: Uh, the latter is how I decided to do my experience. Um, but there is a welcome kiosk uh, when you get there, and there are brochures for a self-guided tour that has information in it. Uh, but I just kind of did the the wander and experience kind of approach. So, mm-hmm. either way you want to go, and they also do tours as well if you want a more structured experience.
0: What was your favorite piece?
1: Uh, my favorite piece uh, was I don't know the title of it actually. I should look that up. That's uh, okay. But it it was. I think I liked it because I thought that I had seen it before. I don't know if it's iconic or if there was just something about it that sparked some other kind of memory. But it's it's a small shed, a wooden shed, uh, that has a slanted roof. And it starts long and, and slants downwards. And it has a very long plank straight across, like well not straight across, but you know, tilted across this slanted roof and it has two old bicycles at either end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, something about it, yeah, either is just like striking a memory that I can't quite put my finger on, or I think I've seen it before, so I identify with it. But I just thought it was it was very whimsical and it was very simple. Um and yeah, it was just it was just fun, and a lot of these things they're they're very large, so it makes you look up. So you kind of get this, you know, larger than life feel. You're not, you know, you're not looking at a a vase on a pedestal, you know, that's
0: small <laughs> as as one often does yes. when they look at art. <laughs> it is on the pedestal.
1: <laughs> yes, so that should be um, everybody's
0: experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. That's yeah. You know me, mm-hmm. when I go to a museum I head straight for the decorative arts of antiquity section. That's yeah.
0: straight for the vases.
1: The vases and nothing else. <laughs> so you need to find me?
0: That's where I am. I'll be with the vases.
1: I will be with the vases.
0: <laughs> sorry. This, this has <laughs> nothing to do with this very, very interesting museum. I'm um Or Sculpture Park, I should say. I'm kind of curious, though. Like, Could you go inside any of the sculptures?
1: Um, I didn't. I wasn't sure. Some of them have kind of like a door or are, you know, enclosed somehow. Um, Just, you know, I've worked in museums and galleries and things like that, and I uh, didn't venture in, but I wasn't sure because it's, it's outdoor and it's experiential and there's really, there's nothing really stopping you from like physically interacting with these pieces other than just, you know, kind of art world.
0: Yeah. That feeling that you get. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you're not supposed to touch it, you've been told for years, don't touch it.
1: Yeah. But I, I feel like, you know, looking back, the elements of the desert are probably much more harsh than me walking into something, so... That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll take you the next time you come visit me.
0: Oh my goodness, yes, please. We need to make a list of things that we're going to do.
1: So hey, I was looking on
0: the Noah Purifoy website, and it turns out that they have... Uh, two shows going on right now that feature his work it's they're both group shows um, one of them is called East Coast/ slash West Coast and um, they are that exhibition is in tandem with another exhibition called Soul of a Nation art in the age of Black Power um, and it's a collaboration between the Brooklyn Museum the Tate and um, and the Tilton Gallery in New York City. Um, And, oh, actually, so East Coast, West Coast is a solo exhibition of Purifoy's work. Um, And then Soul of a Nation, his work is part of uh, a group exhibition. And East Coast, West Coast goes through November 3rd. And Soul of a Nation goes through February 3rd. No, the East Coast, West Coast is at the Tilton Gallery in New York City. Um, Soul of a Nation is at the Brooklyn Museum. um, And Soul of a Nation goes through February 3rd. So, like, these are are happening right now. Anybody could go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. It's awesome to hear that his work is, you know, on the... Opposite end of the country that the sculpture park is. and mm-hmm. also that, you know, obviously his work is extremely relevant. You know, he had a lot of um, social engaged practices. And he's a strong figure in art history. so I'm happy that, uh, you know, he's still he's still making headlines today,
0: yeah, even though it looks like, I mean, he passed away back in two thousand and four his his art still his practice still go on that's pretty cool it's a good legacy
1: very cool and isn't that you know what art partially what art is for is something you know that kind of goes on after us
0: this is true that art is the legacy for the artist and also for a movement and also for the time in which they practiced it's also true sorry I got distracted because I scrolled down a little bit on the Purifoy website um, and there's this art magazine that's called Art Das Kunstmagazin um, that published a an article called Wild West Dada that focuses on the NOAA Purifoy Outdoor Museum that was in the January 2018 edition.
1: Oh, that's great. We should totally link that into our show notes.
0: Yep, we definitely will. Um, that looks awesome.
1: All right, great. Well, I can't wait to read it, and it will be available for all who are interested.
0: Thanks, Jasa. Thanks for sharing your experience with us.
1: Yeah, of course. Happy to hear it. Should we turn it over to the news?
0: Yep. Let's do news. Let's
1: do news. News! This week on the news, we are talking about a unfortunate situation, to say it the least, Uh about uh, four actors and filmmakers who were denied entrance into the U.S. while they were trying to attend the Arab Film Festival in the Twin Cities. And the film festival is pioneered by an arts organization called MISNA.
0: Yeah, so um, MISNA is one of uh, two organizations that are members of the National Network for Arab American Communities, or NNAAC. Um, and the festival ran from September 27th to the 30th. Um, there was first an announcement in the uh, Pioneer Press back on September 17th that this particular combination of filmmakers and actors were not going to be allowed entrance into the United States. Um, Misna, directly quoting from their website, is an organization devoted to promoting Arab American culture providing a forum for its expression. We value diversity in our community and are committed to giving voice to Arab Americans through literature and art. So the fact that these artists and directors and actors were not allowed into the country is, um, is especially devastating, I think, given the cause that Mizno works for.
1: Right. And this These denials are unsurprising, but also do have a few unexpected elements to them uh, because as we all know, in June, the Supreme Court did uh, uphold the uh, most recent version of Trump's Muslim ban unfortunately, Mm -hmm. and that placed restriction on refugees, immigrants, and people who hold visas from places such as Iran, Libya, North Korea, Somalia, Syria, Venezuela, and Yemen. So some of these visitors who were slated to come and attend the Arab Film Festival were from these countries, but some were not. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, So uh, some examples, or just to introduce you to the people who were supposed to be able to join, Um, one is uh, Syrian director Gaia Gigi. Um, Her film was to be screened. Uh, She fled Syria uh, in 2016, I believe, and is now residing in Paris, but she still has the Syrian passport. Another visitor was artist Naila Ayash, who was the subject of a documentary um, that took place in Gaza. And she was denied as well. Um, another uh, famous actress from Egypt named Yasmin Reyes. And I would also like to pause and say that I'm so sorry if I have mispronounced any of these names. It's highly likely. Um, Yasmin Reyes uh, was... Is not from a band country. She's from Egypt. Um, however, this process of getting her visa to come to the U.S. was so delayed that she couldn't make it. "Quote: They scheduled an interview for a date after our festival takes place," says someone from the organization.
0: Ridiculous.
1: And then, so ridiculous. Just if if they can't outright deny someone, they'll just make it so hard that they can't even they can't even mm-hmm. come. Um, and then finally. Um, and again, I apologize for mispronouncing. Hakar Abdul Qadir, Um, he does not come from a banned country. He is a Iraqi Kurdish director. Uh, just never received word on his visa approval. <sighs> uh, he had to turn in his passport while he was waiting for this visa approval and never heard word on it, and they kept his passport so he just couldn't travel anyway. He
0: just can't leave now because somebody else has his passport.
1: Right, so those from banned countries were outright, outright denied, and those who are from the region but aren't on the Trump's ban list just had such a difficult time that it essentially denied them access. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, in, the, in the article that ran on the 17th in the Pioneer Press, the executive and artistic director of MISNA, Lana Barkawi, um, said that that she thinks that it is because of the feeling of this particular administration that these folks were banned from coming to the U.S. for this film festival. Um, she said, quote, given that these are exactly the types of three-dimensional stories that a misogynist and xenophobe would be scared of, it's not surprising that they were um, denied entry into the country. And I, I can see that line of thinking. Um, if you look at, for example, uh, Nyla Ayesh's uh, work that she was a part of, uh, Nyla and the uprising that was directed by Julia Baca in 2017. Um, it was, uh, it's about Nyla and she was a, um, she was a prisoner. Um, she, excuse me, she led, the uprising um, called the first intifada that started in 1987, and she was imprisoned and tortured for her resistance. Um, and so uh, it starts, you know, when she was eight years old, and the Israeli military took control of the West Bank, and it, it goes through her childhood and um, and how she empowered women around her to rebel and fight, and that type of Strength is something that would be really important to see in the Arab-American community and particularly highlighted um, here in the States. And, I mean, her work, the work can still be screened, but it it would have had an extra impact if she had been able to attend.
1: Yes, this is just so upsetting for for so many reasons. First of all, the ban that was upheld in June just to begin with... uh, Secondly, just the mistreatment of these artists and creatives who are were unable to represent and celebrate their work, as well as this is the first time that this has happened in 13 years. So it's really highlighting that this administration and this point in history is really targeting this group of people, and I, I'm glad that the the film festival went forward. Um, unfortunately, without these guests, but they didn't let that affect the programming, and these stories were still told, um, despite this terrible uh, denial by the U.S. government. Um, however, it it does show resistance and it does still speak you know gives a platform for these voices to speak when you know they're they're trying to be muted uh by the suppressive administration
0: yeah it's really it's really too bad it's a it's a sad state that we're in right now um so i'm sorry jason did you have anything else that you wanted to say about this
1: no, please go ahead. Um, did you have some ideas on how we could help support uh, this film festival and perhaps Mizna?
0: Sure. So um, MISNA actually uh, produces a journal. Um, you can subscribe to their journal for 20 bucks a year. Truly, really isn't bad. You can uh, also visit their website, which is MISNA.org. That's M-I-Z-N-A.org and sign up for their email newsletter. It looks like they have a lot of really good upcoming events. So you could definitely do that as well. Um, There is a GiveMN link for Misna. You can donate directly to them at givemn.org forward slash organization forward slash Misna. You can also follow them on Instagram and Twitter. They have the same handle for both. It's at Misna underscore Arab art. That's Mizna underscore A R A B A R T.
1: And I am following them right now. Fantastic. Me too. So yeah, keep your eyes out. Um, Their website has a wealth of information more about them, more about the film festival, and you can. Get into it and support them. And, of course, keep your eye on the festival for next year. Very good. Okay, Soda listeners, thanks so much for tuning in with us this episode of Soda State of the Arts. Uh, you can find our show notes and anything else that you would like to know about us at our website, sodapodcast.blog. If you would like to let us know about any art events or if you'd like to do a studio visit with us, uh, definitely give us an email. That's state of the at gmail.com. And we are also on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle is at state of the or just search for State of the Arts Podcast
0: could also if you haven't already leave us a review on itunes it really helps to boost the show and help other people find us we also have a patreon Um, if you like what you're hearing and want to hear more it would definitely help us out so there's a donate tab on our website that would cover uh that would help us cover the costs of producing the podcast
1: and of course our theme music has been provided by the most wonderful the von tramps So, Mm -hmm. but I will like, I will kind of parachute in. So, I'll be back for Thanksgiving and I'll be back for Christmas. So, if you want to see the temperature shock on my face, you can come pick me up at the airport for (laughs) like a lot of entertainment if you're into that. So,
0: I would love to come pick you up at the airport. I'll be here for Thanksgiving, but not for Christmas. I just got approved for time to go home. So, I'm super excited about that.
1: Well, congratulations. Thanks, Thanks, man. You will be missed, however. I know. I miss you every day. This is just such an intimate thing to be discussing on air. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what I, I love for each other is is never ending, deeper than the deepest ocean floor.
1: Are you going Irish all of a sudden? I don't know. Well, that was terrible. I'm so sorry that that happened
0: um <laughs> should we talk about what we're gonna talk about
1: yeah what, wow the things
0: that we're gonna mm-hmm.
1: say let's do that okay yep <clears throat> yep that was definitely like six minutes of banter <laughs> that's fine um yeah